This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. It's getting to be an almost daily occurrence. Terror attacks in Europe perpetrated by so-called soldiers of the Islamic State. ISIS has claimed responsibility for the latest attack in France. You heard about in Bob's News. That attack killed an 84-year-old priest. It happened when two attackers invaded a church in Normandy during Mass. Meanwhile, in Germany, there were a series of violent incidents over the weekend, at least four, that killed 11 people. And Germans have been warned to brace themselves for more attacks. Twelve days ago, in France, a 31-year-old Tunisian killed 84 people in Nice when he plowed his heavy goods truck into a crowd of revelers celebrating Bastille Day. What is behind this escalation and how do we combat it? I'd like to hear from you. 416-360-0740 or toll-free 1-866-740-4740. Right now on the line, I have former CISA's operative and counter-terrorism expert, Mubin Sheikh. Welcome, Mubin. Uh, thank you for having me. So what do you make of this? It is now an almost daily occurrence in Europe. Well, I mean, uh, ISIS is doing exactly what it said it would be doing. Um, and so, you know, what we are observing and witnessing now is the, the consequences of their, uh, of their, of their, of their call, uh, their call out to the, to the lowest hanging fruit possible you know, to, to commit these kinds of attacks. Uh, they've written about it. They wrote about it in their text, Management of Savagery. They wrote about it in their text called The Black Flags from Rome, where they talked about, we will commit these attacks. Uh, we will create uh, a backlash against Muslims. They actually wrote this. Uh, and we will force um, the non-Muslim world to effectively make the Muslims choose, uh, you know, uh, along the lines of if you're not with us, then you're with the terrorists. Uh, so so it's all, it's all uh, according to their plan, and this is what we're seeing. Okay, uh, so here's uh, what I'm wondering about. So they claim responsibility for these attacks, but these attacks, uh, I'm assuming, are not actually directed by ISIS. Uh, they're perpetrated by these so-called lone wolves. Is that right? Yes, uh, and you know, at the end of the day, I don't think that distinction matters uh, for all intents and purposes. Uh, of course, what governments do is they try to look and see, was there another government involved? Or, you know, was there planning from some country somewhere that we can go then and strike? Uh, you know, that, that's effectively why they ask the question. But for all intents and purposes, and at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that, you know, if ISIS, you know, had a guy and sent him there and he did the attack, that's... People are missing the plot completely. The, the plot is ISIS saying, 
if you are able to do an attack, attack. They're effectively like the Nike brand. Just do it. And we will take credit for it. But but doesn't uh, doesn't it make it more difficult to combat if it's just just do it and there's no direction? Well, that's actually one of the reasons why they've been saying uh, just do it. Um, uh, you know, the lone wolf is extremely difficult to detect, um, and even a professional who's been. Um, tasked, let's say, by ISIS to come back and do something, uh, it's not so hard. To, uh, it's not so easy to find these people. Well, um, so- apparently, the, one of the two attackers in uh, in France, in, in uh, Rouen this morning, uh, was known to police. Yes. Well, I mean, again, you know, was known to police simply means this guy had been either arrested on some charges before or, you know, quote-unquote, came on the radar. But, you know, that has a limited value, right? Because so what if a guy, let's say, stole something when he was 15 uh, and the police have an arrest record about it? That, that's not going to help them stop this guy from becoming an attacker at some other point. Okay, Mubin, I'm going to give out the numbers again because I want to hear from people about uh, their reaction to this. Uh, I know that, uh, you know, Europe is a normal summer destination and I have friends, you know, I'm so glad when they're back this summer because it really is worrisome. Uh, What do you out there, uh, our listeners, make of these terror attacks? And uh, do you have any thoughts about what we should be doing about them? The numbers 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-744-740. I'm on the line with Mubin Sheikh, who is a former CSIS operative and a counterterrorism expert. And you, at one point, Mubin, were radicalized. Do you see any, uh, either similarities or differences with the way uh, that was happening when you were involved and the way it's happening now? Yeah, I mean, uh, I think it's, it's, it's exactly the same, okay? The only thing different today is the platforms on which people are spreading their messages. You know, when I went through my phase in, you know, 1995, uh, I was still 18. You know, it was an identity crisis, and the identity crisis is the same thing that's, uh, that, that's driving a lot of what you're seeing today. You have uh, children of, of minorities who are living in white-majority countries who, who are made to feel like they don't belong, that you're not really, you know, uh, American or I, I would say Canadian, but we really don't have that problem. I mean, we've really invested in the multicultural um, isn't that policies. isn't that blaming the victim to a certain extent? And you have places like, um, say, Malmo in Sweden, where yeah. uh, these communities, I mean, have to a certain extent chosen to isolate themselves. I mean, police are afraid to go there. Well, you know, this is uh, the debate goes both ways at the end of the day. I mean, you know, one side is going to say, well, hey, look, uh, we're marginalized by the society. And another side is going to say, no, you're actually self-marginalizing, and that's why you're marginalized. So I, I, want to, I want to give both sides. I want to just, you know, for the purposes of the listeners, because I think there's arguments for both sides to be made. On, let's say, very quickly, I mean, in a place like Belgium, I mean, Belgium has a colonial history. People forget that. 
Okay. Absolutely, and, it does. Yeah, and uh, and the discrimination there is it it's in your face sometimes, right? It's not like so subtle and so coy. All right, so that's one side of it. But let me give you another side of it. I mean, you have individuals who come from countries. They will naturally gravitate towards their cultural communities, and they start to form ghettos. They start to form, uh, you know, urban blocks where uh, members of a particular nationality will, so the Tunisians will be in one place, you know, the Algerians, uh, and, and you will have this. You will have this self-ghettoization also. Uh, so what we're looking at is this is the result of whether you believe the society is doing it or whether you believe they themselves are doing it, the end result is the same. It's, it's marginalization to the point where those kids, they don't, they do not self-identify as being Belgian or British or French or whatever it is, right? This is why marginalization is mentioned as such a threat. Because once you, and I can think back to even when I was in that mindset, um, and a lot of mine was simply constructed. It wasn't like I wasn't bullied. I wasn't picked on. Um, but at the end of the day, what happens is you plug out. You no longer self-identify as whatever country you come from. So so you can kill your, or as we would say, you can kill your fellow countrymen. Yeah, but how do, how do you get these kids? I mean, I, even, if, uh, even if we accept or accept to a certain extent that that's what's happening, how do you get these kids to to? They're basic. They're killing themselves. Well, what? I mean, you know, let's look at the spectrum. You have kids, you, you have youngsters who are still here, right? Who are, you know, just in the process of being radicalized. They they don't know which way they want to go, and maybe at some point down in their life they will become extremists and maybe even terrorists. Okay, um, but then you have some who are. You know, I mean, if we're looking more on the dangerous end of the spectrum, those who left, those who left their countries, uh, joined up with ISIS in Iraq or Syria. Uh, you know, that's the worst kind that you could get because now we're dealing with people who have returned from Iraq or Syria as returnees. They've become disillusioned uh, with what they saw in Syria. They no longer want to be a part of it, and they want to come back. Well, now that that's you know, that's opening the door to a whole host of problems. You bet. You know, you're, you're bringing people with PTSD back. I mean, we don't treat our own soldiers with PTSD properly. Our police officers, are, are we going to treat, you know, some undesirable ethnic group's kid uh, and his PTSD? We're not. Uh, We're not. I, I'm not confident that they would get any of the... Tra- uh, of the care that would be needed. Yeah, Mubin, we we've got to take a break, but I, the, but but you didn't answer my question, which is so oh, yeah. so these these kids are radicalized, but but when if they undertake this, they they're going to die. So how do you get them to decide that they are going to kill themselves? Well, at the end of the day, like I said, uh, I think a lot of it has to do with identity uh, and ideology. Okay, so I'm going to introduce that concept. Once you believe, you know, you believe that the world is at war with Islam, uh, you, you know, you, you feel you have to do something about it, right? So this is what is called a singular narrative, okay? And it's the most powerful recruiting narrative, and it is the most common narrative that is used out there. Uh, and that is the one that there's a war on Islam, 
and I got to do something about it. And so for a lot of these guys, they see these, you know, G.I. Jihadi videos. They see these guys as superheroes, right? And, uh, and then they self-identify with them. And then they want to imitate the things that they're doing. So it's about self-identification, I think. Uh, this is why they decide, I'm going to be a martyr, right? These are the kinds of things that they use, the phrases that they use. I'm going to be a martyr. I'm going to go to die for the sake of God. These are the things that they tell themselves. Uh, in order to justify their actions. Okay, Mubin, we've got to take a break. Uh, when we come back, we're going to start taking your calls out there. Uh, the numbers before we go, 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740, and we will be back after this. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Zneimer on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. I am here with a counterterrorism expert and former CSIS operative, Mubin Sheikh. We're talking about the spate of terror attacks in Europe. And uh, Mubin, what can be done about this? Well, you know, we, we, need a, uh, we need a soft and a hard approach, okay? Two parallel paths run at the same time. This approach looks at, you know, young kids who might have got caught up in stuff, um, uh, who need counseling, could be mental health issues, whatever it is, all the nicey, nice, you know, counseling and care stuff. And look, the reality is, is do we should help people who need help, and, and, you know, we all understand that. But there's also the hard side that needs to be done as well. I mean, we're not going to bomb them into oblivion by airstrikes, okay? I mean, I know... A lot of people have this cartoonish idea of how things work, but that's not how things work. You know, I work very closely with U.S. Special Operations Command, uh, Canadians, uh, European Command. I'm very plugged into what's going on. And what we need to be doing is training, um, training groups that are on the ground uh, that are taking the fight to ISIS uh, one-on-one. That's how it's going to work. We need to destroy ISIS, I mean, where they are. Uh, they need to know, and and young people who might be who might want to think, hey, maybe these guys are a le- legitimate caliphate. Let me throw my lot in with them. No, we need to we need to remove that recruiting narrative by destroying them on the ground. Uh, so the soft and the hard approach, both at the same time. That's the only way we're going to deal with this. Okay, and uh, do you have any advice for people who are planning a trip to Europe? Um, how do you? stay vigilant is there any way to stay vigilant yeah this is very uh very difficult of course i mean um look go about your life i mean don't don't give in um but of course uh don't completely be ignorant to the threat uh when you're going to let's say if you're at an airport you might want to stay away from the the front entrance of the airport uh, um the main doors, like into the general area, because the attackers know they can't get to the secure areas. So if there's going to be an attack, it's going to be in that area. Well, you might want to look for those solid concrete pillars um, for cover. You might want to sit near one of those just in case something like that happens. Uh, if you're outdoors, uh, you know, to know where your escape routes are, uh, to know, you know, numbers to contact. Uh, maybe you need to log in on, uh, you know, mark yourself as safe on on Facebook or whatever if social network is allowing for those things. And most importantly, uh, register with your embassy. 
uh, if you're there for an extended period of time or especially a uh, maybe a, not a deserted place, but somewhere that's not so standard popular, okay. register with the embassy. Let them know where you are. Okay, uh, good advice. I think we have time for one call. We've got Bob in Etobicoke. Hi, Bob. Hi, how are you? Fine, how are you? Bad. I'd like my uh, express my views on what can and cannot be said to individuals based on religion. Now we have Okay, well just Bob, my only caution, we've got a minute. I know that. I believe that no person should be allowed to say anything that cannot be proven, such as Muslims, some of them are told if they uh, do a terrorist attack, they're going to the right side of Allah and get 50 virgins. Other things like Andrea Yates was by her minister was told that heaven was a great place and and it was beautiful and she sent her kids there was it the fault of her it was a religious teaching that she was weak-minded and they should be laws against people preaching things to anyone that is not cannot be proven as being correct was there a muhammad no doubt about it was there someone around the the time of what is known as Jesus Christ that was popular as we know it, there is no doubt about it. There's evidence that you can prove these things. It's like Gandhi. Was he here? Yes, he was. He was a religious leader in a way. So if we stop them from preaching false things that are not true, maybe we won't have people blowing other people up so that they go to heaven and sit on the right-hand side of Allah. And the same with women trying to kill their kids so that they can go and live in heaven with okay, God. Okay, well, that's clearly mental illness. Uh, Bob, thanks for your call. Uh, Mubin, uh, just to wrap things up in uh, 20 seconds. Look, yeah, I think uh, I, I, let's just say at least on the topic of teachings and subjects, um, uh, yes, I think we, we do need to have more activity on this. Imams need to tell their, their people, or whether it's priests or rabbis or whoever, uh, look, you know, religion is like a hammer, okay? Uh, and if you go around looking at everything like a nail, you know what happens. But a hammer can also build a home. It can also destroy a home. Take your pick and choose wisely. Okay, Mubin Sheikh, thank you so much for your insight. Thanks, Libby. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads. Idea City on the air and The Garden Show.